Mountain Valley, it is so good to be back with you. Uh, my wife Susie and I uh, have been gone the last couple weeks to Eastern Europe, and uh, we, we are so glad to be back home with our church family. We had a great, great trip. Uh, really appreciate all the prayers. Can't thank you enough for that. Uh, there were some times when we, we were in dangerous situations, and uh, we know that it was the prayers uh, of the church family that really got us through that. The main, main part was uh, they like to drive 110 miles an hour there. 170 kilometers an hour, 110 miles an hour in very beat up bad cars. And uh, last Sunday, as a matter of fact, it was rain and snow. And uh, we went to a church, Gregory Opal, it was actually two weeks ago. Uh, and it was uh, over an hour in the car, 110 miles an hour. And we were just like, Jesus, put your angels around this car. And they get really offended if you ask them to slow down. So uh, we thank you for your prayers. Uh, God did some really incredible things. And I'll be sharing uh, some of that in the message today and in this series uh, that we're kicking off this morning as well uh, that we're calling I Love My Church and specifically we're going to talk about the end of me and uh, before we jump in there though uh, uh, we, we do just love our church so much and uh, we experienced a couple of things that we'd never experienced before uh, in fact you know it's kind of interesting uh, when you go to a different country like this here in the United States we're so blessed we eat for pleasure don't we uh, you know, we say, oh this tastes good this doesn't taste good but uh, Particularly in Transnistria, where we were the first week, uh, you don't eat for pleasure, you eat for survival. You eat for survival. And so let me just show you one of the things that I ate while, while we were there. If you put up that next screen there. Uh, this is called Nutria. This is water rat uh, here in America. Uh, and they served us water rat. And for all of you that are food snobs, I just want to point out to you uh, that is gluten-free, free-range... Free range also, uh, and is organic. So stop being such a snob. You're, you're not all about health anyway. You're a food snob. That's what it is, okay? Just be honest. You're in church. You shouldn't lie. So uh, well, we, we had Nutri like this, and uh, it was delicious. It tastes like short ribs, beef short ribs. Uh, they didn't tell us what it was till halfway through. And then I just felt totally full and complete and didn't need to finish the rest of it. Uh, but they were joking. It was like their joke uh, on us. But we, we ate some pretty interesting things while we were here. But that's probably uh, the, the most exotic thing that we had. Uh, just to put in perspective here with a duck, they, they go between 20 and 30 pounds. So this is, this is not like a rat like this. This is a rat like this, like as big as our French bulldogs that we have. Uh, so they're very, very meaty. Anyway, uh, uh, well, let's just go back to that title screen. Could we do that? Because I don't even want to see him anymore. There we go. Thanks a lot. Uh, uh, and, and so we're kicking off this series, and I was real excited even being there. We, we've been, uh, Susie and I, this has been kind of a crazy couple months in our lives, almost uh, uh, three months, that, that we've had a travel, uh, a lot of travel in our uh, schedule. Uh, we, we have said no to a lot through the years because our children were at home. And uh, our children are more important to us than ministry is. And, and we feel like that our marriage is the first ministry and then our children is the second ministry. So we said a no to a, no to a lot of things. Uh, and then when folks heard we were going to be empty nesters, they're like, we're going to schedule right now. So uh, I just got home, and I'm like, oh, we have one more trip. It's during the week. We won't miss any more Sundays uh, for the rest of the year. And, and, uh, and we're just so glad. I'm glad it's in the rear view uh, and that I could be here with my church family because this is where I want to be more than anything else. But we took Valley with us uh, to Eastern Europe, to Ukraine, uh, and to Transnistria as well. And, and it's not often that you see almost immediate fruit 
uh, when it comes to ministry, but we did there. And as I said, I'll be sharing uh, some stories from our trip throughout this series that's going to take us uh, right through Thanksgiving. Uh, but I want to say this. I love my church. Do you love your church? Do you love a church? How about we get It's all right. It's all right for us to clap like that. Susie and I have been in five different churches in, in really about five weeks, six weeks. And uh, I love the church. That's why this uh, line is under the sea. It's, it's not just Valley Christian Church. It's the Church of Jesus Christ, the church globally. And, and, and I, I absolutely love Valley Christian Church. And I also love the Church of Jesus Christ. In, in fact, one pastor locally, uh, when we've gone to Eastern Europe before, he said, why would you do that? Why waste your time? Why waste your time going to another country and, and helping other churches? Why not just build your church? I said, well, first of all, it's not my church. It's Jesus' church. And second of all, I believe in the church of Jesus Christ, universal, around the world. And so this is my primary responsibility here. But if I can help other churches around the world, then I certainly uh, am going to do that as well. And I got to thinking about it just leading into this series. Uh, I've been a member of Valley Christian Church for 41 years. I'm the longest standing member. Our church is only 41 years old. I was original member of our church. 41 out of my 48 years has been in this church. I, I served for 15 years in this church before I ever became a pastor. Uh, I, I was the original tech team here at this church with a slide projector. And, and so when the worship would happen, they wouldn't ever, we, hadn't, we didn't have song lists back then. I just had to figure it out. And I had to get that slide turned upside down and put it in really, really quick so everyone would see the words. And so I was original tech team. I've served in children's ministry. Uh, I, I've been in the band before. God help them when I was. Uh, played a wicked tambourine, man. I could really just play the timbrels off that or whatever that is there. Uh, and so I've, I've served in every area of church as a volunteer of Valley Christian Church, except for women's ministry, and I really don't want anything to do with that, you know. Uh, and, and so... I think I have a unique perspective that, that really, I don't think there's anyone on the planet that has the same perspective of Valley Christian Church that I do. Not, not even my father, who was the founding pastor of the church. He, he was the pastor for 18 years. And uh, this may will be 27 years for me. Uh, three of those years, two and a half of those years as associate pastor. So I have a little different perspective, and also the perspective of traveling and, and working with a lot of pastors uh, around the world as a president of Acts Global Network uh, of Ministers. And, and I came to this conclusion, without just, just few exceptions, almost every single blessing in my life has come directly or indirectly through Valley Christian Church. Almost every single blessing in my life has come directly or indirectly through Valley Christian Church. And when I say I love my church, I love my church. I've given the majority of my life to serving in this church as a volunteer and as a paid volunteer. It's called pastor. That's all it is, is a paid volunteer. And so I want to talk about our church and so that we really know what we're all about. And that's what this series is really going to be all about. I believe this with everything in me. When the local church is working right, there's nothing like it in the world. When the local church is working right now, there are no perfect churches. And I'm not naive about this. 
Valley Christian Church is not a perfect church. In fact, we always say no perfect people are allowed at this church. So, so if you're perfect, you can just go ahead and, and, and exit and find a church, you know, that, that, that's for perfect people. Because none of us are perfect. Therefore, the church is not going to be perfect. And we're not looking for church perfection. What we're aiming for is church health. And Valley Christian Church is a healthy church. And when the local church is working right, when it's healthy, there's nothing like it in the world. And so I want to share with you a key scripture for this whole entire series. So if you have your Valley Christian Church app, if you go ahead and, and open that up and you'll be able to uh, follow along. Let me give you the background to this key scripture uh, that, that we're going to look at. We're going to be primarily in uh, the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew today. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has uh, been in Caesarea Philippi, it was the name of one of the cities, and he's been doing all kinds of miracles. And, and the crowds are just swelling and they're getting bigger and bigger. And then at one point he draws away from uh, the crowds and he's just with the disciples and he asks them a question. And he says, who do men say that I am? And the, the disciples are clueless. They are lost in the weeds. They have no idea who he is. And so Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I am? And, and they, they're kind of like feeling him out with the answers. And they say, well, some say you're, you're John the Baptist. And they're looking at him like, you're not John the Baptist, are you? And they say, well, some say you're Elijah the prophet. Is that who you are? Some say you're Jeremiah the prophet. And they're kind of seeing what his response is going to be. And then Peter, the disciple who so many times should have kept his mouth shut when he opened it. This time, he got it right. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And you are a rock. Simon means sand. Peter means rock. His name was Simon, and, God, and Jesus changed his name. He said, upon this rock, upon this proclamation that I'm the Christ, the son of the living God, I'm going to build my church. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus says, it's my church. It belongs to me. I own it. And Jesus bought it with his blood on the cross. He says, I own the church. It's my church. And he says, I'll build my church. And so Valley Christian Church is not a, it's not a Greg Williamson thing. As you can tell, if you've been here the last few weeks, I haven't been here. And the church just keeps right on going because it's not about me. It's not a Williamson family thing. Valley Christian Church is a, is a Jesus thing. And it was God's idea. And if people didn't get together and say, let's start a church. Many of you know the story, and I won't take the time to, to share it now. I actually share it in our growth track, uh, the history of how our church started. It was never in my parents' wildest dreams. My dad was an engineer making six figures in the 1970s. And spontaneously, God started a church here in Hopewell Junction in the living room of our home as a Bible study. And he never intended Never in his wildest dream to start a church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And one other thing I want to point out about this key scripture for our whole series. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. 
The gates of hell will not overcome the church of Jesus Christ. And it's an interesting thing when you think about the city gates, you know, like, like he's, he's doing an analogy here, a metaphor. The gates of hell, what does that mean? The church is moving forward. The church is always at its best when we're going. And Jesus says here, the gates of Hades will not overcome the church. And so this is, this is what we're going to be talking about. How is God, how is Jesus building his church in and through the Valley family? There's so much that, that we're just not aware of on Sunday morning. It's just like the tip of the iceberg of what God is doing in and through this local expression of Jesus' church called Valley Christian Church, the Valley family. It's pretty interesting. Uh, one of the things I think that really is so necessary for us to be the people of God that Jesus wants us to be, to be the church is that, that we have to kind of like get over ourselves. We have to realize it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And, and much of what infects the church in America is self-centered instead of Christ-centered churches. That it's about me getting my needs met, and, and, and there's this like consumerism. Instead of, it's about Jesus. Jesus is the, the playing the, the starring role in the church that's the way it's supposed to be because Jesus said I'll build my church it's not Greg Williamson who said that it's Jesus who said I'll build my church and when I build my church count on it the gates of hell will not be able to overcome my church when we were flying back home uh, this week uh, we, we had a layover we flew from Kiev to Amsterdam we had a layover there and then from Amsterdam into JFK and uh, it was a big huge ginormous uh, plane had uh, you know uh, two floors you go up the steps and, and all that stuff if you're really the ones that pay a lot we, we just looked up there we weren't able to get up there because uh, we didn't pay for all that first class stuff and and uh, you, you know how it is all the time you're on the plane and uh, we, we had I had a window seat because I hate sitting on the aisle because I always knock me with that cart and uh, so I had a window seat and Susie sitting in the middle and then uh, there's a third seat and we're like praying like God please let no one be there and we can just relax and spread out but as soon as like I'm thinking this here comes this guy boom and he sits down I'm like okay great I think it was seven hour flight or something like that and we're like okay you know you're going to be best friends with this person by the end of the trip no doubt about it and so he's a real talkative guy he might have been 30 years old he's in his late 20s and uh, and uh, he's an American and he said he's been living in Amsterdam for a little over a year. He was in a relationship with a girl and broke up. And he said, I couldn't get far enough away from her. So I took this job in Amsterdam. And we were like, oh, wow, this is cool. And uh, so, so then he asked a question that I hate it when I'm on a plane that people ask. And he goes, so what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, crap, you know. Uh, here it goes. It's going to get really, really awkward here. And, and I say, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh, really? And, uh, you know, just like, that's like, boop, end of conversation. I thought, but he was like, really, what kind of pastor? And he's asking about our church. And we're talking about it. He's like, well, why were you in Ukraine? And we're talking about what we're doing and all. And, and then he goes, let me ask you a question. Somewhere in the conversation we'd mentioned that we've been married for 26 years. And, and he says, let me ask you a question. He says, I can look at you and tell after 26 years you're still very much in love. I was like. I'm thinking, how do you know that? We're not like making out or anything. But how, do you, how can you just look at us and know that? And, and, and he said, tell me what's the secret. He goes, I'm a single guy. What's the secret 
to staying in love. And I'm trying to think of something really profound, and my mind is going through the scriptures for this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And my, my mind is going, and then my beautiful wife Susie just simply makes this statement to him, and you can see it almost kind of like hit him like a ton of bricks. He said, what's the secret of staying in love after 26 years? And she said, defeating selfishness. And he's like, really? She's like, yeah. It's about me dying to myself. And it's about my husband dying to himself. The, the, the closer with God's power we can get to eradicating selfishness, the more we will be able to love each other. And so then we had a conversation at that point. I'm talking about what we'd go through, premarital counseling and, and all this stuff. See, I think that's really the key for every one of us in every relationship, and our relationship with God too, is coming to the end of ourselves. With the power of the Holy Spirit eradicating selfishness, and to the degree that, that as a church family, we can allow the Holy Spirit to kill me, and that only what Jesus wants be there in my life will continue to be a healthy church. Because I believe the best days of Valley Christian Church are still yet to come. And, and I think if God would speak audibly to us this morning, he'd say, you ain't seen nothing yet, Valley family. If we'll just come to the end of me, each one of us individually and collectively as a church family as well. See, Jesus put it this way. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my followers, anyone want to be a follower of Jesus today? Could I see your hand? Any, anyone at all? Okay. He says, If anyone wants to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. Well, that just shut down the enthusiasm, didn't it? Jesus said, You must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross and follow me. And what does that mean? Die to myself. Most of you know the truth. I never saw myself in my late 40s still being here in Hopewell Junction, New York. I wanted to get on the first train heading to Georgia that I could when I was in my 20s. But you know what? It's not about what Greg wants. It's about what God wants for me. And if I had done that, I would never live the fulfilled life that God created me to live. And now, I couldn't wait to get back. And God's planted uh, me and my, and my wife and my family here at Valley Christian Church. And there's no place that we would rather be. If anyone wants to be my followers, Jesus said, you must, it's not optional. You must forget about yourself and you must take up your cross and follow me. In essence, that's what Susie, her answer was to that young man on the plane. When she said, defeating selfishness. Because when we do that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can love more. We can fulfill the plan and the purpose that God created each and every one of us uniquely for. Here's the key. We've got to come to the end of me. We've got to come to the end of me. Where we're not always so egocentric. When it's all about me all the time. And, and, and what are people thinking about me? And, and am I getting my needs met? And, and is this what I want? Me, 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 me. That the root of all sin in the world, all evil and wickedness is selfishness. 
What's the antidote? Selflessness. What would the world look like if the more followers of Jesus Christ were selfless? What if, if just people in general were selfless? How many murders would never have happened? How many children would never have been molested if it was the end of me? Selflessness. Selfishness is the root of all evil, all sin, and all of creation. And we as followers of Jesus, we should know this. Because Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you've got to forget about yourself. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to follow after me. It's pretty interesting. I want to, I want to read a story now in Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> Jesus is now in a, in, a, in a different city called Capernaum. And he's doing all kinds of miracles. And, and you would think if miracles were enough, there'd be a, there would be a revival in the city. But that's not at all what happened. So, so let's look at this. I think there's some lessons that we can learn with this idea of coming to the end of me. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, this is Peter, the disciple, the apostle. He saw Peter's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever. Peter's mother-in-law was living in, in, in Peter's house here. She was really sick with a fever. And, and the scripture says, And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. Just, just, just a couple things here I just want to point out. It's pretty profound, really, because we could just read over this. First of all, Jesus, as, as a teacher, a Jewish teacher, a rabbi, uh, it was forbidden for a rabbi to touch a woman at all in any way, shape, or form. And so the fact that he touches a woman's hand shows that Jesus is not just for men. Jesus is for men and women. That, that he bridges that cultural gap, even. And he touches her hand. And, and, and he heals her. And then isn't it interesting, it says, and she got up and she began to wait on him. She began to serve him. Look, saved people serve Jesus. When we realize what Jesus has touched our life, we can't help but volunteer. We've got to get busy with the work that Jesus is doing because saved people serve. And Peter's mother-in-law got up out of bed and began to serve Jesus just like that. Absolutely amazing. And, and Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. I don't know. You know. Maybe this is why Peter ended up denying Jesus three times. I don't know. That's a joke, people. Come on, lighten up. Lighten up. That's not it at all. He's like, Jesus, really? I don't even know that guy. But, and no, it's just kidding. It didn't happen. I just wanted to see if you're listening. He healed her. And she got up. And she served. And then it goes on and it says, And when evening came, many who were demon-possessed, it's getting real now. Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word, and he healed all the sick. He heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then they're like, all right, we're bringing the real nasty situations now. And they bring demonized people that are just nuts out of their minds. And Jesus heals every one of them. Jesus heals the sick. And you would think, man, wow, I bet this caused a revival in the city of Capernaum. But it didn't. It didn't at all. And I think there's some lessons that we can learn from this. 
In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, Jesus put it this way, and he began to talk about the cities where he'd done miracles with. Look at what he says in Matthew eleven twenty. Then Jesus began to denounce towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. The purpose of the power is not a sideshow. The purpose of the power of Jesus Christ is that we would repent and turn from our sins. That's the purpose of the power of God. That we would recognize our need for him and say, God, I need you. I need a savior. And he began to denounce these towns. And look at what he says about Capernaum, the next verse. Here in verse 23. Listen to this. This is crazy. And you, Capernaum, will be lifted. Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. This is where Jesus did all these miracles. He said, are you going to be like glorified? No, you're going to hell. Then he goes and he says this, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, and a lot of you know about Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament, it would have remained to this day. He said, if Sodom had seen the miracles that I performed in the city of Capernaum, they would have all been saved. But not you, Capernaum. Then he goes on and he says, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Wow. I I read this scripture and I'm like, what is God saying? What is Jesus saying here? Mark Twain put it this way. It's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand that bother me. And I do understand what he's saying here. And it's it's scary. He just said, I healed Peter's mother-in-law. I, I brought freedom to those that were demonized. All those that were sick were healed. But you didn't turn from your sin. You didn't repent. And it's going to be better for the city of Sodom on the day of judgment when God calls every one of us to account than for the city of Capernaum. Can I, can I just spend the rest of our time together just coaching us up? Because as a church, I, I, I think there's some things that we need to recognize that Capernaum did not recognize. That there's some lessons we need to learn, three specifically, so that we don't repeat the mistakes of Capernaum. Because it wasn't a long time after Jesus spoke these words that Capernaum was completely obliterated, and you can go there today, and it's rubble. I think for us here in Hopewell Junction, in Dutchess County, in New York State, in the United States of America, in the Western Hemisphere, in the globe, in the world, that, that we can look at what happened to Capernaum as a cautionary tale. Because I don't want that to happen to Valley Christian Church. I don't want that to happen to our church family. I don't want that to happen to our community. Here's the first thing that we need to learn about Capernaum, they didn't recognize what Jesus was doing. They didn't recognize what what Jesus was really all about, what his goal was, what his objective really was. They didn't recognize what he was doing. He, he, He said, when you recognize it, you'll repent, you'll turn from your sin. People who repent and serve, people who repent and live for Jesus Christ, it's a really, really big deal to Jesus. It's what it's really all about. And it needs to be a really, really big deal to us as well. 
And, and I hope that it is and it always will be as a Valley family. That that's, that's the goal. Reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's our vision. That's our purpose, why we exist. You know, it's interesting, in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus said that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. One sin- and there's nothing else in Scripture that says there's that chain reaction in heaven. When one person repents of their sin, all heaven rejoices. The angelic choir, uh, angelic choirs, me, 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 me. And they're like, oh, oh da, 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 da. did you know that? Not, not when one miracle's done, that doesn't happen in heaven. Not when one person's healed, that doesn't happen in heaven. When one sinner repents, all heaven rejoices. And celebrates. I, I think it's really important for us as a Valley family to continue to celebrate the things that heaven celebrates. And to continue to focus on the things that God is focused on. This is the lesson we need to learn. They didn't recognize what Jesus is doing. And here's what I think. I think Jesus is doing a whole lot more stuff in our church right now and in your life right now than you recognize. And for many of us, we're like praying like, God, do this, do this, do this. And he's like, I'm doing something right now. If you just take a moment and recognize what I'm doing. And it, it, it might lead to what you're praying for and asking for. But this has got to come first. God's doing so much. So much. Uh, Last Sunday it was, I was preaching in, in Kiev, Ukraine, at Living Word Church there, and there was a, a mission team from Germany that was actually there. And so they had a translator with them uh, that was translating from Russian into German. And uh, they sang a couple songs, it was really cool, and then the pastor, uh, Pastor Anatoly Geverluk, asked me to come up and preach, and I preached, and then sat down. And then one of the associate pastors got up, and, and he just said, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, we want to give you that opportunity. And the way that they do it in that church, they're like, just come forward right now. And the German translator got up and walked to the front. And everyone's like, just like you, whoa. He's been translating for them. And, and my Russian translator, who was sitting next to me, Peter was his name, he leaned over, I'm sorry, Victor, and he said, I know that guy. I've been talking to him about Jesus for a long time. He's like, no, no, don't want anything about it. Don't want anything to do with Christ. But when he came to the church to translate that day, and, and he heard the word preached, he was like, I'm ready. And do you know what happened in heaven? All heaven rejoiced. All of heaven rejoiced when he turned from his sin. And, and you know what? As a Valley family, I think we, we see this happen so much in our church family. It just becomes kind of, but, but it's not ho-hum to Jesus. Do you know since just, just try to wrap your head around this. Last year in the United States, half the churches in America, last year, not one person repented of their sins. Not one person was saved. Not one person began a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time. Not one. Since January of 2015, we've had 164 people receive Christ as their Savior through Valley Christian Church. 164. Absolutely. 
164. Listen, y'all, the average church in America, North America, is 75 people. That's like two churches full. Two churches full. And we just, I don't want us to be like that, because that was what Capernaum was. Not only that, since January of 2015, uh, we've baptized 99 of those new followers of Christ. We have baptism next Sunday coming up at 6 o'clock. We already have 22 people that are signed up for baptism. Following Jesus' commandment to his followers and his example that he was baptized and, and, and I just want to say this, community groups, all that, and our, we need to come out on Sunday night and celebrate what Jesus celebrates. It's so important. And baptism in the life of a follower of Christ, when they make that decision to turn from the sins and receive Christ's forgiveness and his grace and his mercy, that, that's like a wedding. That, that, that's like graduation from high school or college. It's an epic event in the life of a Christian. And so I hope we pack the place out at 6 o'clock next Sunday night as we celebrate. And I think there will probably be 30 more plus uh, that are going to be baptized for the first time. And if you haven't been baptized in water since, since putting your faith in Jesus Christ, making that decision, I encourage you to sign up. We'll get you all the details about what that is and what that means. And, and you can look at what the Bible says about it. Jesus said to his followers, we're to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that he's commanded us. And he said, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And so we need to celebrate these things. And so I do all the community group leaders. I, I'm just saying I expect you to be here. Don't, don't have your community group meeting and miss this. this is, that's how important baptism is. It's absolutely important that we celebrate what Jesus is doing, that we recognize what Jesus is doing. And it's huge. Here's the second thing uh, about uh, uh, Capernaum. They were bothered by Jesus and his work. They were bothered by Jesus and what he was doing. You know, there are some things, it doesn't matter where you are. You can be in Eastern Europe or the United States. There's some things that just commonly bother humanity, like traffic. Does that bother I hate traffic, you know. I, I've never once been in the car when you hit traffic with someone that I, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm going to be late to work and I could get fired. I mean, no, one, no one's, like, grateful for traffic. It just bothers us, really bothers. And, and, and for Capernaum, the people in Capernaum, they were bothered by Jesus and his work. And I know this happens sometimes because the Bible is just brutally practical. It just, it just comes right in and it shows us what, who we really are and what's going on and what God wants to do and how he wants to change and transform our lives. And I know sometimes that, that, that when we're uh, together, sometimes we get bothered by what we hear. You know, I, I've said it before, the goal of good preaching, and this is not original to me, I heard this when I was in college, is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. That's the goal of good preaching. Sometimes we get bothered. What are you bothered by right now? If you want to get the most out of life, you've got to respond when you feel bothered. Because a lot of times it's God who's bothering us. God is bothering you because he wants to bless you. And because there's things in your life and there are things in my life that God's saying, it's time to put those things away. Just like in our last series that we did, Necessary Sins. Gossip, lust, anger. 
it's the Holy Spirit bothering us. Because he's like, Greg, I've got better for you. And as long as you're still involved with that stuff, I can't bless you the way I really, really want to. In Capernaum, they were bothered by Jesus. They were bothered by his work. Remember, I, I, I've said this before. I think it's so important. As a church, we're not a cruise ship. We're a rescue ship. And, and that means because we're a church and we're not perfect people, we're going to rub each other the wrong way sometimes. So sometimes we're going to get a little flustered, a little bothered. But we're a family. And you work those things out. Because Jesus is working in our lives and through our lives. Capernaum, they were bothered by Jesus and his work. Here's the third thing that we need to learn from Capernaum that they didn't do, that we need to make sure that we do. They didn't want to join Jesus in his work. They wanted to just sit in the sidelines and spectate. They didn't want to get in the game. They, they, they didn't want to join Jesus in what he was doing. They just kind of, uh, uh. what's in it for me? I, I, I don't want that to ever infect us as a church family. I, I think there's something, if you, if you and I really want to fulfill everything that God created us for, we need to just keep saying yes to Jesus. Whatever he says, yes. Whatever he says, yes. Yes. Listen, left to myself again, I would never, I told my wife when we got married, I said, I'm never leaving the United States. Don't ask me to. I'm never doing that. It was in her heart to, to, to be a missionary and, and to go uh, to foreign lands and to help people and to build the church of Jesus Christ in foreign lands. I was like, I ain't doing it, baby, and we're not talking about it no more. For 18 years of our marriage, and then in 2008, for the first time, I felt like God was saying, it's time, Greg. And I said, yes, Lord. And we took our family to Kiev, Ukraine. And I've never been the same since. I was uncomfortable. It bothered me. Some of you know in my community group that are here, I'm a real picky eater. I'm eating river rat, y'all. <laughs> but we have so many wonderful friends, and we've seen God do such incredible things. And I would have missed all of that. If I wasn't willing to join Jesus in his work, we need to keep asking Jesus, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? For, for some of us here today, let me ask this question. When are you going to start serving? Instead of spectating. When are you just going to, I'm jumping in and I'm helping out with the work of Jesus. It's time. It's time to get in the game. When are you going to start giving? Most of us spend more at Starbucks than we do the work of Jesus Christ on a monthly basis. That's the fact. We've had a financial an an analyst in our church. And it's not because we're hurting for money. We're not hurting for money. But you know what? God's given us a big, big vision and a big, big dream to reach as many people as we possibly can with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. And it takes all of us. It, it, not just a few. And thank God for all the volunteers we have. Hundreds. But we have over a thousand who regularly attend our church. 
Hundreds are serving the thousand. When are you going to start serving? When are you going to start giving something? Because Capernaum, they didn't want to join Jesus in his work. And he said, it's going to be worse for those folks of Capernaum than the citizens of Sodom. Because they didn't recognize what I was doing. They were, they, they were bothered by my work. And they didn't join with me in my ministry and in my work. You know, uh, I, I've heard this. I've seen this done before. And, and, and I want to give it a try here today as we conclude. Me too statements. I, I, I want to share with you some statements. And if you agree, just, just yell out. Me too, okay? If you don't agree, just stay silent. Don't say anything, all right? So, so not real spiritual here. How about this? I think October is too early for snow. All right, all right. See, we're all in agreement. It's amazing how we agree on stuff. Jessica, you're wrong. I saw you shake your head there. You're wrong, Jessica. How, how about this one? I'm tired of hearing about the election. Oh, see, how about that? Let's, let's get this thing over with, can we please? Man, let's just move on. How about this one? I have to have a cup of coffee in the morning to get started. All right, some of y'all, before I even finish the sentence, yeah, you had your coffee. That's good. All right. How about this one? If you agree, I love my church. Yeah. I really do. It's not perfect. But it's healthy. And I don't love the building and the beams, not the sheetrock and the beams. I love you. The church is people. And I love you. And it's the work of my life that I've given myself to. The church of Jesus Christ expressed here in Valley Christian Church. I want to read you one more Me Too statement. And it's kind of long. And we'll put it up on the screen. And, and, and don't respond. I'll tell you when to respond if you agree with it. And this is something that I, that I read John Ortberg, a Christian author. He wrote this and I was like, Me Too at the end of it. So, so let me just share it with you. Here it is. I'm a mess on my own. On my own, I'm powerless over my own ego and my life is unmanageable and I need God. And it goes on. Left to myself, I will waste my one and only life in stupid ways. I will damage and neglect relationships. I will make idols of success and my reputation. I, I will dishonor my sexuality. And he goes on and says, I will use words which I'm supposed to use for God to deceive others. And he continues, I'll use people for my own advancement when I'm supposed to serve the church. I'll serve myself instead of serving others, instead of serving God. Greed will rule my wallet. Resentment will fill my heart in a nanosecond. Pride will govern my choices and selfishness will dominate my life. Left to myself, I will spend a pathetic existence trying to polish my outer image and hide so no one can see what an egocentric sinner I am on the inside. 
And if successful in this, I will go to my grave a respectful fraud. I'm a mess. And I need God. And all the people said, me too. See, that's what it's about. That's why we're here. We're here because we know we need Jesus. We need his presence with us every step, every moment of the day. You know, that's one of the things I love the most about Valley Christian Church. Because it's real people who are real about what's going on in their life who really know we need to come to the end of me. We really need Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now that you'd help us to lean into your Holy Spirit and to die to ourselves. God, I thank you for this church, and we love your church. And without you, the truth is, you know, we're just a mess. We need you every moment of every day. Help us to remember it's not about us. It's all about your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. And may he be the center of our lives and always be the center of this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now one last thing, one last thing for those of you on the app, I wanna give you the last fill in the blank here. Here it is, if you can just go ahead and put it up. The only way, there it is, the only way The only way to fully embrace me too is by embracing the end of me. And when we embrace the end of me, not not, not more of me, less of me, more of Jesus in my life, that's when we experience all that God created us to experience and live. Thank you. God bless you.